Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. This is the 200 and something something episode of Real Hot Talk. I am Dana. Brian is out of town, and I just think he didn't want to come talk about this football game, really. So he's not here with us. So I brought everybody else. If I'm going to host, I bring the whole gang. We have Nathan. We have Jeff. We have Jadavion Clowney's bitch up there in the corner. I mean, it's just like so fun, right? Evan, are you are you gonna wear that the whole time? I'm sorry, who's Evan? This is Oh, I'm so sorry. Jadavian would like to know if you're gonna wear that the whole time. I'm the property of Jadavian Clowney, and I'm just here for my weekly podcast. Oh my god. Nathan, how are you? <laughs> good, good. I find it really funny that uh you were bragging about how you had a big run sheet and actually planned for the podcast. But forgot to look at the episode number. Folks, in case you're curious, it's episode 285, which is I'm sorry. Big round number. We should celebrate it, I think. 300. We're approaching 300. That's crazy. I know. know. It is. It is. I'm a slacker. I can't believe you just threw me under the bus because I said to you, I had a wrench because Brian never does. Damn it. Hi, Jeff. I like you today. How are you, Jeff? I wish I had a paper bag. That's a good intro. How do I beat that? I'm all right. Uh, okay. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get started um, on the show. Okay. So we've all had a few days to take a breath, right? We all had a few days to make our bags and, and to kind of digest what happened on Sunday? You guys weren't as lucky as me where I had to live stream that game and watch every second of it and explain every minute of it. It was a little torturous. Jeff, are you back in a better spot now than you were before? Uh, yeah, I think so. I didn't take it as hard as some people. I think the hardest losses for me are those ones. They, I think like the Cincinnati game, that one eats me more. The games they should have won. Mm-hmm. When you get your ass kicked, I find it pretty easy to like get over it. I see some big picture issues. I'm sure we'll talk about. There's been a lot of themes. There's been a lot of problems, but no, I'm not in like a rough state. Like when you get your ass kicked that clearly and that ugly, it's pretty easy for me to kind of like bury it and move on. Yeah. It was maybe the most relaxing Seahawks Sunday I've had in a very long time. 
Seriously. I've heard other people say that. Tell us why. It's just like, I think, I think what, uh, Jeff just said, like what he touched on from like an emotional standpoint, those, those games that we're so used to playing under, under this regime where it's one score, three points, you know, changes, changes the outcome. Those do a number on me, like emotionally and psychologically on Sundays. And it literally takes me days to like recover, which is very unhealthy. And, you know, I feel like this is a kudos to Pete Carroll, to be quite honest with you, because very rarely does I feel like a blowout of that magnitude happen. Like, I think we were discussing this in our group chat. It's been a couple of years, at least that I can remember since that has happened. Maybe, maybe it's been more sooner, but I can't remember anything uh, off of the top of my head recently. So, yeah, it was a straight up ass kicking. The Ravens are one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, I, It's interesting. I, I was kind of reading through some of the reactions on, on Twitter after the game, and I know Brian talked about it in his post game, but, you know, this is not like the Seahawks lost to, you know, some lower echelon team in the NFL. Again, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I, I think I had personally hoped uh, for a more competitive uh, game to show that Seattle was at least somewhat in their realm. Um, we didn't get that. I wanted to feel that. I wanted to experience that. I was hoping that Seattle would take a step, but they clearly did it and they got their butts kicked. It doesn't mean they're bad. doesn't mean they're not good. They're still a good football team, but uh, the Ravens I think are in a different, are in a different level. And, and there was several other teams there. So long winded answer, but uh, I'm kind of with Jeff. I'm not, I was not heartbroken this week about this game. I really mm-hmm. wasn't. What about you, Nathan? So my streak of being unable to watch these games live uh, is nearly unbroken this season. Um, which, you know, gives me, puts me in a different place emotionally. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think what I have been struggling with, with this team all year is like, just how good are they? And I went into it thinking that they were probably basically the same team in terms of overall quality as they were last year. They hadn't meaningfully taken a step forward. And, like, all season, they've kind of, like, oh, maybe we are quite a bit better. And then sometimes it's, like, oh, no, we're still who we are. And I feel like the thing that I – like, I got actually a little closure out of this game where it was just kind of, like, okay, yeah, they're not they're, – they're still a playoff team, uh, and that's probably about all you'll be able to say for them, um, which is fine. Um, but, it, yeah, it gave me at least a little, like – calm me a little in that way at least like set my expectations i think it'll be hard to shake that now if they come out and they beat the niners in a couple weeks or something then then all bets are off but yeah oh 100 percent. yeah you know with this i like i mentioned i had to live stream this game and at the end of it i actually said i'm like i actually think i feel better having to have talked through it through the whole game than i necessarily did had i been had to just watch it and process it later because I felt like I kind of could get over it at that point. But I think what all three of you are echoing, which I completely agree with, is the fact that this is probably the best team in football right now. They are the most rounded, the most complete team in football right now. And I know Chiefs fans will have a meltdown about that, but they can get over themselves. But the thing of it is, is that I agree with what Evan said it was almost better to get your ass handed to you than another one of those little jumpy games. And yes, it would have been nice to have been competitive against the best team in football, but it just, it wasn't. And I think what that did is it, is it 
put a light on a lot of problems that we have been talking about on and off on this team all year, even from last year, but but even more this year. But I want to start with probably the least the least offensive of all the problems, which is the defense. So the defense was literally on the field, I think, what, three quarters of the game? Like they they were there constantly. I'm going to save the conversation about um, about the running game for Nathan later, but let's talk about the run defense, okay? So Seattle, we were so impressed at the beginning of the season, right, about how well their run defense was doing. Seems to have really tied, you know, died down toward the end. The Ravens got some, a bunch of really nice runs off of us. Is the re is the run defense and Nathan? I'm going to give. I'm sorry, Evan. I'm going to give this one to you. I'm saving one for Evan, Nathan. Um, Evan, is this one? Is this a run defense? Is this the problem again with this defense? Have we regressed back to that? Yeah. Uh, so Jeff actually talked me off a cliff on this one. So I have to, I have to give Good kudos Jeff. to Jeff on this. Um, I went back and started watching. I went back because I missed the second half of, of Sunday's game. And, you know, almost thankfully I missed the mm-hmm. second half and I went back and watched the third quarter. And, um, you know, I think in retrospect, the fact that Seattle's offense only got six first downs mm-hmm. the entire game, just, you no matter how good your defense is when they're on the field that much they're going to get run down they're going to get exhausted mm-hmm. that's what a run game that's what a really effective run game does in the trenches is it wears down the defensive line and you know suddenly explosive holes start hope you know opening up so you know it, it's not shocking to me um i'm not super disappointed by it it was expected now if if this was a super close competitive game where Seattle's offense was moving the ball at will, you know, Mm -hmm. and and put up 24, 30 points. And maybe the time of possession was about equal. And the run defense had given up similar, you know, yards per carry type of uh, uh, damage. I would be more concerned. Yes. But this defense for me was not like, they're the only ones who semi showed up to play Mm -hmm. on Sunday. I have zero, I have zero concerns about the points allowed that they gave up move move the fucking ball get a first down like gino like play better make better decisions wide receivers get open Mm -hmm. like dk metcalf where the hell are you yeah get open create space offensive line show up like an actual fucking nfl offensive line we're we're done with the junior high high school bullshit this is this is pathetic um it's shane waldron how about we stop calling you know uh, long developing route plays that take five seconds to mature and develop. Like yeah. there's so many areas that run defense is just not even on my radar. So right. I, I, I think it's a good call out though, because yeah. there were people discussing it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to start with the defense. Cause honestly, that was the least of the problems, right? Like we could like not, we could just kind of blow through I it. Understand. I don't understand this at all. Like in, in okay. Uh, they gave up 37 points. They gave up a touchdown to like backups. Okay, but they were on the field like the entire game. Forty minutes. They were down fourteen nothing in the middle of the second ha- uh, second quarter. They gave up a forty two yard run in the first play out of the second half. Like this idea that they're on the field too much. I mean, well, I don't know, that that doesn't. Uh, so, I, I don't buy it. I, so, I don't think it's crazy what Nathan's saying. I think they broke their will though. I think when mm-hmm. your offense looks so hopeless, and I think Seattle should be criticized for that. But I, I do think there are some signs that. Are, are worrisome and Draymond Jones got tossed around like a rag doll. This he game. did. 
he was getting double teamed. Baltimore had a really good plan of attacking them, and I think they exposed them in things. Daryl Taylor on the field, if you watch them at the goal line, they ran right at Daryl Taylor for that touchdown. The, the fullback, the guard is like celebrating, knocking him over. Not having Chenanuosu and Frank Clark looks skinny and he looks kind of ineffective. And like what Jamal had an awful game. Horrible. Uh, Devin Witherspoon missed some tackles. But like without Nuosu and if Derek Hall's banged up, like they got some problems. And Draymond Jones, like he he had his worst game. I think he was 24 grade in PFF. And that's how it looked. So there were some real issues there, but yeah. If we were going to rank the issues in this game yeah. <laughs> with Evan on like, I can't get past the thing Nathan said a couple of weeks ago at the offense. And the more you watch, it was so succinct the way he said it. And the more you watch these guys, they're like five siloed versions of an offense and they don't have, like, I don't want to say they don't have an identity, but like you think of all the good offenses around the league. We just saw what Baltimore did. You know what they are and you know, like who they're going to every week. You know, San Francisco is going to go through McCaffrey and play action and attack the linebackers. Seattle was at their best doing one thing week two and three. They got away from that. And since then, it's really, really hard to watch them against. They played the two best defense of the league back to back. So obviously it looked bad, but their offense just looks way out of sorts. And it goes back to exactly what Nathan said. That's why he stopped me and Brian, who is Brian and me don't have to do that. He stopped us in our tracks. So, like, watching them now when their offensive line breaks down and Geno's – Geno did not play well at all. Geno's been – Geno's been bad this in the last stretch, and we got to talk about that. But Can it's I talk- hard to not go back to this game and just think – we all went to the season thinking, is this going to be a top-five offense? They've been mm-hmm. brutal to watch. And it yeah. was hopeless in that game. Let, let's – Evan, what did do you want to talk about, defense or offense? Because we're going to get to offense here in just a minute. It's defense, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, can I just pose a question out there? How do we feel about Tariq Woolen? Uh, I feel very good about him. Uh, I love that there is an NFL defensive player out there that I am somewhat confident can't tackle me. Uh, I think that's very cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It just feels like every week there's several plays where I'm looking at him trying to tackle uh, an offensive player, and I'm like, what is this effort that he's giving? I don't understand. I think the worst thing about it is it's not a lack of effort. Like, the one, the worst example of it from last week was he chased down, uh, oh, I forget the receiver that broke off, that just went uh, down the field. He, he chased him down, and he tried to tackle him, like, he threw his body into him, but the way it worked is he just like bumped him forward with his shoulder and it was like, good job, good effort, but what are you doing, dude? <laughs> he's he's not playing well at all. And I was like in the camp of like, it's too early, he didn't practice. He looks slower. He's not making the plays he made last year. And I know he's a raw player and he needed those reps in camp and he just looks like a guy who has no confidence right now. And he's playing with like no swagger and like the tackling has been pathetic. And like, you kind of look around at some of their best picks from last year, Charles Cross, Woolen, guys, you probably won't need thought would take that second year jump. They've regressed. And especially Woolen. Woolen was maybe their best like story of last season. And mm-hmm. He, he's been their third best corner and teams are going at him and the tackling and see, 
I think we got to have the conversation. He's been a disappointment, and he, he's not played well at all. We, we can't hide from that at this point. So, Nathan, what do you do with this defense? What What are the tweaks that you want to see going into next week? And we're going to talk about the commanders quite a bit because their offense is nothing to shake a stick at either. So um, what, what are you wanting to see? Or what do you think was missing that you want more of? The tackling, I mean, straight up, the tackling was god-awful. And they they yeah. all brought it up in their pressers, and they all talked about it, and it was it was just awful. Um, they looked confused out there, but... But what are your thoughts? I I I think it's probably best for them to not overreact at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they they may have something that they need to sort out with mobile quarterbacks and and how they are trying to fit that whole thing up. Um, that seems to be something that's maybe giving them some trouble. Um, but I mean, like this is a team that, like you know, this this has not been representative of the season, right? Like the defense has been good. Even a week ago, this defense was good. Um, So I I don't know that this is like a, a freak out thing. I mean, I don't think that they played well. I think they're getting a little bit of a pass um, compared to the criticism the offense is getting, but I don't know. I also wouldn't just, I, I think the offense thematically is much more concerning than anything with the defense. Like right now you can just chalk it up to one pack game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into that offense a little bit, because this is going to take up a good chunk of time because there's a lot of things to talk about. You can talk about the offensive line. You can talk about the quarterback. You can talk about the wide receivers. You can talk about the run game. We're going to talk about it all, including Shane Waldron, because I think that needs to be a serious conversation also. And, and um, the problems that we've had there, but let's go ahead and start So let's start with the offensive line because that was the excuse for a long time, right? Like the offensive line, we don't have the starters up there. You know, they're not giving Gino enough time. So then what do they do? They put in extra tight ends to help and it worked. They yanked those tight ends. They're not putting them in anymore. Basically, we have a lot of our offensive line back, except for probably Abe Lucas, who now sounds like might be back in a game or two, which is good news. But the line was atrocious and that contributed to Gino being atrocious. It was just a domino effect of a nightmare. Jeff, you had to start with this offense in the soup of the bad. That was the offense. Where do you start? In terms of just evaluating what went wrong. Right. Yeah. Uh, There's so many things, but I think offensive line, that was the worst game they've played. Mm -hmm. Oh, they looked terrible. Like I didn't realize how big Baltimore was, especially some of those defensive tackles. And then, you had Clowney in there who was like trimmed down and they were just beating every run play before it even started. And there were some things where the protection did hold, but they were just getting beaten. And some of the pressure numbers that have come out were are pretty alarming. It's like 56% of their dropbacks. And I, people have showed stats when they go pure dropback, they're getting pressure at like an alarming rate. I think John Gilbert from field goals was putting out some numbers, but even before the game last week, of just how bad their protection is when a lot of stuff was coming out that like Gino's playing really, really well. Everyone's like, well, he's doing this in spite. And they just got their ass handed mm-hmm. to them. And when you get your ass beaten by a, a front like that, it was kind of like what that giants game was like from the Seahawks perspective. That's what this game felt like where it felt like they couldn't run plays and the amount of plays that were just getting knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Like mm-hmm. they have two wide open plays. JSN drops the first one. And then there's two knocked down at the line of scrimmage. 
those are plays because no one gets their hands on these defensive lines. And there's like a, a clip that went of how Clowney destroyed an entire series. And he's just running by these guys. And a couple of them had Will Disley blocking Clowney one-on-one, which is asinine. Pretty, yeah, pretty absurd. But like Charles Cross had a really bad game. He got blown up by like Kyle Van Noy in a key right after the turnover. And like, you can't look at one of these linemen and say they had had a good game. And when you're going up against these defensive line groups, they're going to go up in this next month. You can't get beaten up front. And this is the problem. They haven't really had an offensive line group play together all year. And Phil Haynes has been uh, Brian's boy. Uh, he's been pretty terrible. It's not been healthy. Damian Lewis has not looked like the player we saw last year. Cross had a really good game. I thought against miles Garrett this week, he comes in, he gets blown up off a couple and it's just, one through five, they're not – they killed a lot of plays before they happened. And I know Seattle went in thinking, like, we got to run the ball, and all those plays were dead. And there was a multitude of problems. I don't, I don't want to just say mm-hmm. offensive line was the only Oh, no, play. all of them uh, are Gino made some, yeah. like Gino had his worst game probably as a Seahawk. And there's a pattern going on with Gino. So, But, yeah, for me watching that game, when you get your ass handed to you up front, and we saw the Seahawks do it to the Giants, you can't run an offense. Right. It did feel like the opposite of that Giants game, didn't it? So let's talk about Gino. I, you know, here, Evan, this is what's so confusing to me about what's going on with Gino. You know, the the pass is batted down. You know, that's more on the line than on Gino. Um, there, there was a lot going on that Gino took the blame for from the fans that weren't really his to be blamed for. But there seems to be a chemistry issue between. Gino and his wide receivers. There seems to be a problem there. We saw where DK stopped running a route uh, in the game against the Browns. We saw another route problem um, in um, this game this week with Tyler Lockett. And in another show I did today, Camden, who's in our comments, said brought up a really good point, said Tyler and DK aren't practicing. And that's true. They're not. But they've been together for so long. I can't imagine that that would be an issue. What the hell is going on there? Yeah. And it's, and it's not just even DK, you know, there's probably been three or four plays that immediately stand out to me where him and Tyler Lockett were Mm -hmm. on completely different pages. And you typically don't expect that from a veteran receiver like Tyler Lockett, you know, who's really refined his craft and knows the game very, very Mm -hmm. well. Um, I don't know what it is. They are clearly not on the same page. There's way too many broken plays. Um, I'd be curious to know, Jeff, what your perspective is Mm -hmm. on this. Um, Because this is not something that should be happening. That's what I'm like so confused by it. Yeah, this is not like Geno's first year starting. You know, he's in his mid-30s. These are not rookie receivers. You know, JSN hasn't had really issues it's Tyler Lockett and DK that have been on off this off the wrong page with him so I'd be curious Jeff what your perspective is here I, I wish I had a good answer to that it feels like his timing mechanism has been sped up to the point where he's kind of lost himself and you're seeing things like there's the route in the Cleveland game the second last drive I think where DK Metcalf runs this perfect in-breaking route and he like throws the ball it looked like a slider like into the ground Gino mm. doesn't typically make those mistakes. The mistakes mm. he makes are typically him by either him being too confident or him throwing a ball he shouldn't read. And lately, like the ball's coming out of his hand weird. And it feels like this whole thing where his timing's been sped up. I don't know if it's because that's the, the emphasis because they're playing Miles Garrett, they're playing Baltimore. But 
he seems like a guy when things go wrong for him, he kind of spirals. And one of the things Russ did so well, it was just a short memory. And he'd always pace him down the sidelines just saying, we're going to get the next one. Seems like when Gino makes a mistake, he kind of like is like it's like down on himself. And he's gotten to the point now where I don't know if he's kind of like gone into a hole, but he's definitely in some mm-hmm. sort of funk. And the thing with Lockett's is strange because like Lockett's been like the quarterback best friend for so long. And you don't often see that. I think practice does contribute. I know Pete said that, but it might just be coach speak. But it just seems like his whole mechanism is being sped up and he's kind of lost himself and he's pressing. And he's been pressing for a while. The Arizona game in the second half, he's been those turnovers, the Cincinnati game. And it just kind of seems like he's sort of lost himself. And Gino's the kind of guy when he doesn't get pressure, when he doesn't get like really good protection, he's a very different quarterback. His numbers with like clean pockets and play action are so good. And his numbers, that's sort of how we broke him down. And maybe Nathan's Nathan did some good film stuff on Gino this week, but like it's hard, it's hard to know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nathan, I, I do want to know your thoughts on this because to be honest with you, I've always seen Gino as someone who's actually pretty calm and even keeled and doesn't normally let things rattle him. And maybe that's just because it doesn't come out outwardly, you know, or vocally or whatever it may be, you know, he's not Philip Rivers throwing a tantrum on, on the sideline. But I mean, Jeff has a, has a point. There's definitely something going on there. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think he's absolutely in his head a little bit about like his instincts for when he needs to get the ball out fast and where he can go with it sometimes. Like we've just seen a lot of picks on some of this short stuff where he forces it. And a lot of times it's not even for any real good reason. It seems like Um, the other thing is like, we saw like, I mean, the game was pretty much out of reach at this point, but when they had, when they hit the big pass uh, towards in the fourth quarter to Jason, that was an ugly ball and Jason had to correct and get it. And then he tried to hit DK on the right sideline, I think, and then DK on the left sideline. Mm-hmm. And neither of those balls were close where DK could even try to make a play. I mean, and and like those aren't really DK's plays where he has to like go get a ball or something, like mm-hmm. you know, fight it. But but he I mean, just no chance. Um, and so like I I don't know, like I don't think. I haven't watched enough of the all 22 yet to, to really inspect this, but I don't know if teams just aren't respecting his ability to punish them downfield. Um, he had another one in the back of the end zone and, and there was a little pressure on that one, but like he skipped that one, like six feet in front of DK and DK was like, it was open. Um, so Could that be from the pressure. Cause the line wasn't holding. I mean, there's a million reasons why it could be one case, or the other, but sure. But I yeah. think just generally, he he doesn't feel like a danger. Like I, I don't. He doesn't feel like a dangerous quarterback. He doesn't feel like he's going to make a play on you. Um, can he be smart and can he execute in the offense? Yeah. Is he gonna like? He does not feel like a guy who is going to bail Sh- uh, Shane Waldron out or bail the offensive line out or make any kind of a play on his own. Um, and then you know if you're that guy and you can't like even give like you know an accurate like back shoulder fade chance or anything like that then just i don't know it 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 feels very bleak for him right now mm-hmm. it does so let's let's pivot just a little bit not that we couldn't we could talk about gino all day i mean we could talk about that for forever we need to talk about this run game and or the lack thereof and nathan i'm going to go back to you with this because um 28 yards 28 yards rushing on now 
Jeff and Evan both brought up the fact that that line crushed. The minute they would have a handoff on a game, they would absolutely crush the line and there'd be nowhere to go. But this becoming a pattern, right? In the second half of the Browns game, they didn't run the ball hardly at all. Now this one again, there's been a lot of heat going on Kenneth Walker, which I find fascinating um, about this because I don't think Kenneth Walker or Charbonnet are the problem. I think that there's a couple other things, but what happened to the run game, Nathan? And I only want to bring this to you because I know how much you love it so much. Uh, unfortunately, there's not a super interesting answer on this one. I don't think it's no. like we said, they just got their, their asses handed to them up front. Like they couldn't, they couldn't, this wasn't something uh, I agree. Like, I think the, the narrative on Walker is so distorted and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so distorted and wrong that like week after week now I'm defending him in our group chat and it, can you please start talking more intelligently about Kenneth Walker so I don't have to defend or running back people? Come on. It's um, true. <laughs> it's insane. Like, he, y'all are, this this narrative about him, and, and oh, he just, he bounces everything, and he's not, he doesn't, he has a low success rate. He's not a, no, he's not. He's perfectly average in success rates and above he's average in busting big runs. I mean, yeah, like, it's not a, anything to write home about, but this is the dude that when he hits a hole, he can house it, and like, I think as far as running back prototypes go, he's pretty perfect in my mind. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, but yeah. this week, they just, they, there was nothing. So, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. It's, it's offensive line. Uh, they, they're not blowing people off the ball. And one of the reasons most of us get so mad when they draft running backs high in the second round is the, like, it's pretty obvious at this point. The running game is about the situation, especially with the offensive line. You can plug running backs in. And Seattle's been trying to solve their running game by just drafting running backs. And they have two really good ones, and it's not doing very much right now. Because you look, their best block run-blocking guard was Anthony Bradford. He did not play that game. Uh, Abe Lucas, we saw a lot of highlights of him pancaking dudes last year. He's played a, a half of the season. Damon Lewis has not been affected. Evan Brown's probably more of a pass protector. Not a great one, but he's he's been really steady. He's not like a plus pass protector. They don't have a lot of guys who are just winning off the line of scrimmage, and they're not doing a lot schematically, and they're not – it hasn't been an emphasis. It was in that Carolina game and really since then, but it, it's all come back to up front. They're not winning up front enough, and just so many of these run plays, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like they're most – and, like, one of the things that have been annoying with Waldron is, like, if it hasn't been working, then they'll get to the red zone and second and long, and they'll just run up the middle for a yard and it just kills a play and it kills these drives. And they're not, they have not been an effective run blocking team. Bradford's probably been their best one, but he's, he's been struggling as a pass protector. And like, I don't think they can just emphasize, okay, we're going to run the ball 30 times. If their line isn't good at getting off the ball or their schemes aren't better, it's going to just be a waste of a play. So mm-hmm. they got to figure that out. I don't know if that's personnel. I don't know if that's scheme. And so many people have credited them. Like, wow, Seattle's played 10 guys this year on the offensive line. They have so much depth. But when you play against a team like Baltimore, that doesn't matter when you haven't played together all year and you have guys that are not winning. And that's what it comes down to. I have a, I have a fun little um, trivia question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Outside of Abe Lucas... Uh, That's an interesting thing. Camden's comment. Running backs are choosing the wrong gaps 25% of the time. They bounce or hit a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you because Dana already did. So I think (laughs) the thing here, and I'm going to pick on Camden a little bit because I love Camden. But um, uh, I think, 
so this is a stat that came out. I think they uh, this was determined using tracking data, and if we assume the data is accurate, the one thing that's like to me important about this is I, wrong gap isn't the right way to describe this. They they measured it that he was not hitting the intended gap, but who is in the intended gap? Is it blocked up? <laughs> you know, if you bounce, if there's a dude in your intended gap and you bounce it, that that's not hitting the wrong gap. That's you know, and and even if it's not, you know. You can find other opportunities. Like we were just talking mm-hmm. about, like Gino's not making plays. Walker tries to make plays. I mean, yeah, sometimes it doesn't always go that well. But again, average success rate, like league-wide average success rate, like the same as I think like, I don't remember the names that were around him, but perfectly good running backs. And so this idea that he is somehow like throwing plays away, I think is really unfounded. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Evan. So I know we've all had our beef with PFF grades and they're, you know, inconsistent and unreliable, blah, blah, blah. But I think I, I find this interesting outside of Abe Lucas. Who do you think is Seattle's highest graded offensive lineman across the entire line? Evan Brown. Any other guesses? Haynes, maybe cross. I would assume cross. I think it's, An- right, it's Anthony Bradford. Oh, oh I love Anthony Bradford. Really good. Yeah. He has been, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I just found that so interesting. I think yeah. it kind of match maybe matches the eye test. He's he's up there. Mm-hmm. He's been playing well when he has played. Oh, he's a plus run blocker. Yeah. And he's not a very good pass protector. That was his limitation. So I went in the fourth round. But there were games where he got like 89 run blocking grades and things like that. Well, according to Pete today, he thinks he'll be back. So we can keep our fingers crossed. They put him back in for this next game for sure. So let's complain. Oh, I'm sorry. Discuss um, about my, the biggest issue I have with this game. And I was screaming it from the top of my lungs through the entire game. What the hell is wrong with Shane Waldron? He did not make an adjustment. Now, listen, you guys know I don't love offense as it is. I mostly just don't like quarterbacks. But here's the thing. They the plays he were calling were so baffling. There was nothing new. There was no adjustments made. There was nothing changed. I couldn't figure out what the hell he was doing. I just kept waiting for Pete to take over the damn game because it just seemed to me like Shane Waldron was like, well, that didn't work. Let's do it four more times. The exact same thing. You know, it's like insanity. I was so frustrated because at the beginning of the season, I know I said this to you guys, I was really frustrated at the lack of creativity. And then we started some, seeing some things through some games. I'm like, yep, there it is. We're starting to get in the groove. Holy crap. He completely shit the bed in this one. I was so frustrated with the play calling. I It was irritating to me. Am I the only one that saw it that way? Because <laughs> I've been a loner on these things before. So it was infuriating to me. No, I mean, I think this is what, like, the problem... Well, I don't know about so much adjustments. And, I mean, the offensive line didn't play well. And so how much you can adjust to that is... You could try know. something. <laughs> I'm not talking about trick plays or anything. I'm just talking about something different. I don't know. It was very irritating. So I mean, you have to be careful because if you start to talk to Waldron about trying something different, he will have like DJ Dallas try to throw a pass on the goal line. And we know how that can go. So fair. <laughs> That's fair. I don't know. Do what did you Jeff? What did you see out of Waldron that I don't know if that pissed you off because the whole thing. Oh, uh, uh, you summed up my thoughts perfectly. It was interesting because last week, a lot of these videos came out from like Josh Norris and Cole McCoy did a really cool one and mm-hmm. Nate Tice and yep. Robert Mays. And those guys are all really, really good. They just did a, a video 
how like Shane Waldron is like the most underrated offensive coordinator in the league. He's playing against Mike McDonald, the Baltimore defensive guy. And there were some really cool things. I've been on like the low, I'm like, I've not been high on Waldron this year, but they showed some really cool things in that video with McCoy, like some of the designs they're doing to open up receivers. And I think there might be a different skill. Like Shane might be a really, really good play designer, but not a good play caller. Those are two different skills. And I wonder if that's what happened because Waldron, it's almost like they didn't understand who they were playing because they were calling and they did this in Cincinnati too. They've been trying to like, this is where it comes back to that Nathan point of like, they're trying to do so many different things at once. They've lost themselves. And like, since they've been trying to do this 11 personnel stuff and JSN in the last month has been really, really good. It seems like they've gone away from what worked best for this team. And Seattle, when they were at their best offensively was week two against Detroit and week two against Carolina. And they were a heavy tight end offense and that opened up a lot of easy throws it, it helped negate the offensive line issues and in this game they went in thinking like we're going to drop back we're going to run long developing plays we're going to run the ball a little and it didn't seem like they knew their opponent at all and when it became clear that you were just getting destroyed by drive two or three i think evan texas like we, we might not scored it and it looked like that it felt like that watching the game and you can make some adjustments you can like move the pocket you can have some screen plays you can do things where you know when your line is a little deficient they just kept running these long developing and now that the videos come out it's gotten even worse for me because you look at some of these plays there is no routes designed for like the middle of the field or short mm-hmm. yardage plays and i noticed the exact same thing during that cincinnati game when they had all those red zone issues so i want like with waldron it's like okay, you got to figure out what you want to be and what you are because you're all over the place right now. Mm-hmm. Since you've gone to this like 11 personnel, they have not been able to do it well. And the fact that they're like on pace for significantly worse passing numbers when they invest in a first round receiver and they, they got Bobo now, like they should be better, but they don't adjust. Like they've gone away from what they do best and it's become, and Gino's playing terrible. So like, I think the, the criticism of Waldron is very fair and mm-hmm. I think it's got to be a lot better. And they got so many good defensive lines that are coming up against the next month. They need better plans. Yeah. The wild thing about this offense though, is like, it doesn't feel fun to watch. No. Gino's thrown a lot of interceptions. Um, they feel disjointed. They've had red zone troubles. They're like the third down uh, troubles. They're the, their fifth highest in the NFL high being bad uh, in three and outs. Um, But coming into this week, they were top 10 points per game in the NFL. And I think that they rank well in some other, like by EPA and some other things too. And you can look at different, you know, slices of Gino and see he's playing well and and stuff. So like there's all these problems, but then they've also, they're also not like terrible relative to the league. Um, so I don't know, like it, it feels very, it's so hard to get a read on them right now. Mm-hmm. So true. Evan, one of 12 on third down. One of 12. How do you fix that? I think he's going to say hell if I know. I think that's what he's going to say. <laughs> I just don't even, the offensive line has to be better up front. Games are won and lost in the trenches. This team has invested in the offensive line. Charles Cross needs to play like a franchise cornerstone left tackle. They they need a Lucas back at right tackle. 
They need the interior to be strong up front. They need the tight ends to do a better job blocking running backs to pick up better blocks as well. They just all, all, they all need to execute better. I don't, I don't know what the issue is. They, they have the, they have talent across the board. This is not a talent issue. This is not a draft investment issue. This is an execution issue. Mm-hmm. And it is dumbfounding to me that they're not better. I wish I had a better answer for this. No, it's the perfect like, answer because it's so confusing. Does anyone know how often they're hitting third down? I mean, it must be a lot to have the most third, like one of the, the higher third, three and out rates. But I mean, because the easy answer is if you're bad at third down, don't have third down. <laughs> yeah. Right? You don't have to Skip have it. a third down. Yeah. But I don't know how often they're hitting third downs. Um, I mean, that might be part of the problem is that there's, and I don't know what the scenarios are too. Like how, when they are in third down, does it tend to be third and long or, or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. That's for you stat boys that like those stats so very much for sure. Derek, get on it. Ah, exactly. All right, guys. I think it's time. And I said this right after the game. I said, Seahawks fans tweet through it and move on because there's nothing to do with this game. There's nothing to be, you know, get, got from this game. And so we'll, we're just going to move on from it to a hopefully better team next week um, and an easier opponent. And cause they were definitely tough. So let's go ahead and get into the Patreon questions just a little bit. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of really detailed ones. And so we're going to get through as many of them as we can. Um, but that's, uh, it could be, uh, it could be a minute. So, um, hold on just one second. Let me get through this. So look, I'm on it right now. Nathan, don't even give me that. I would say, you know, right. typically Brian yeah. gives like, we'll prep somebody. And so we don't have this kind of lull I here. Am. Oh my uh-huh. God. You are such a brat. Okay. But you want to so, hog all the hosting? Yeah. Uh, oh, you want to do it? No, no, would, no. It's okay. Fine. Good. Because. These guys want to hear from warning, you. They don't, so. they don't want it. They don't want it to hear from me. So we'll hear from you guys. So all right, Derek wants to know. Last week broke my spirit. What do we need to see this week to regain a modicum of hope, Jeff? I think it's got to start with the offense. Uh, right. This needs to be the get-right game for them. If it's not, we thought the Arizona game might be. It looked like that at first, but Washington's given up a ton of big plays in the secondary there. Their pass defense is one of the worst in the NFL. Like Justin Fields threw all over them, and he hasn't thrown on anyone this year. DJ Moore had like 300 yards in that game. If the offense can't look functional, and it's just a pattern of what we've seen against a significantly worse defense, it's going to be hard to get any enthusiasm going up against Rams, who always eat them alive, 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles. Like if they can't get some reason of a get right game and have some reason of hope, uh, <laughs> they got to get DK going. They got yeah. him. They got to get him using his hands. But um, you got to be they, careful. You don't want to get DK going too much. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. No, but like if this is not the get right going game for the offense, I'm with. I see why you're with that point. It's, mm-hmm. There's not much to be excited about. It's going to be really hard to play this stretch. It's going to be really ugly to watch. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move I have a on. Qu- I have a quick question. Oh, you got it. About the offense. Can we go back to Gino in New York for a second with the Jets? Do you remember when he got punched in the locker room? Who punched him? What player was that? I think his name was like I- IK something. Was it? Yeah, it was, I, it was. It was like a random, a random defensive, defensive lineman. Yeah, like a random defensive lineman, yeah. 
out of curiosity, not that any of us were religiously watching that Geno Smith football season with the Jets, but do we know if he played better after being punched or worse? Or was he out? I think he might have been benched at that point. <laughs> was he benched at that point? No, I think he played one more game, maybe. He I don't know. He only played six. I don't think, ever, I don't think there was any stint where he played well at the Jets. So I don't... Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I.K. And then Polly was, I don't yeah. know who called He was that. a random. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm efforting right now. I'm going to, uh, August 11th, 2015 is when it happened. So I'll get back to you on that. Evan. Look at him All being. Right. What an interesting question, though. I'm curious why you would ask that. Yeah. No, just uh, random thoughts of the day. That's all. <laughs> Let's move yeah. on to our next question from Michael Mathis. Abe Lucas allegedly is coming back soon, provided he can stay on the field for the remainder of the season. Big if. How much does this help the offense? Evan. Speaking of allegedly. Somebody else take that question. I wasn't listening to Dana. <laughs> I wasn't either. I got totally thrown off oh, by allegedly. Jeff, the I'll reread it. I'll reread it. <laughs> Abe Lucas allegedly is coming back soon, provided he can stay on the field for the remainder of the season. Big if. How much does he help the offense? It's got to be massive, right? I Stone so. Forsyth. Um, he had Jason a game where he, yeah, Jason Peters actually struggled really really yeah. badly on uh on sunday um that position needs to shore up they what, what what an offensive line needs is like consistent snaps together with the same unit you know they get repetitions together they've had so many combinations of this offensive line they haven't had time to gel and if they don't get time to gel it could be something that ends their season frankly um they have a big challenge coming up with the commanders uh, mm -hmm. probably the two best defensive tackle combination in the NFL, uh, Jonathan Taylor. And what's his name? Uh, is it Darren, um, uh, Darren something I'm forgetting his last name, but, uh, they they have a, they have a challenge this week and, um, the interior is gonna, the interior is gonna have to have to fight up front. So yeah, curious to know how that goes. Me too. I don't think he's back this week. I think they're going to let him rest this week out. And then I think that he'll be back. Elena wants, Elena, God love you. She wants the lineman to do yoga. God love it. Uh, me too. I do too. That's hilarious. All right. So Nathan, this one's coming to you. So focus, focus, Nathan. Okay. I was listening to KJ's podcast and he mentioned the league is a copycat league and mentioned that other teams would use the tape of this game to plan against our defense. Do you think the rave, Wait, do you think what the Ravens did against our O-line is repeatable, or did we just get beat by a good line? Uh, I don't – I mean, no, I don't think it's repeatable. Mm -hmm. um, not to that extent, at least, I don't think. Okay. Uh, that, that feels like it has to be an extreme. Um and the other thing is too, um, crap, I'm spacing on his name, Jeff. What's the, is it, uh, who's the coordinator for uh, Baltimore Wink? Todd Munkin. Oh, no, 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 defensive. Oh, Mike uh, McDonald. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have good coaches there. And so, like, just, you know, just because one coach can do it doesn't mean another can dial it up, right? And so, I, I don't know that this is necessarily going to be something that happens now just like week in, week out. Yeah, yeah. Had to, you can't overstate the value of Lamar Jackson. And they're not – like they play Hurts in a couple weeks. But mm -hmm. when you're trying to defend the run against Lamar Jackson, you're just on your toes and you're playing uphill the whole time, especially when they're rolling. 
playing against Brock Purdy or playing against Sam Howell, it's just such a different element. And Lamar mm-hmm. looks Lamar's the MVP of the league, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Which yeah, one yeah. of us misunderstood the question? Was this about the offensive the Seahawks offensive line? Mm-hmm. But the Ravens did against our offensive line. Is it? Okay. Oh, my is, bad. My yeah. No, no, that's okay. okay it's okay. No, I no, was no. one that was supposed to be focusing. So I'm yeah. just, I'm just, <laughs> I got it right. It's like, why is he talking about Lamar Jackson? What an idiot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you that Lamar is repeating his MVP season for sure. All right. So this next one's from Braxton. Jeff, I'll give this one to you. It says, we've been one of the most successful play action teams on the season, but in the Ravens game, we ran it less than 12% of the plays. What do you think is keeping Seattle from using it more? <laughs> so Shane Waldron. Shane Waldron. I don't know. I don't know. It's the, the numbers are so cut and dry, mm-hmm. especially with Gino. His play action. I think he's the Brady Henderson tweeted that today. He's the third best. I think it's Mahomes, and maybe like I can't remember the other guy. It's an elite quarterback. Our one and two, and he's three, and he's right up there with them. And when they're not <laughs> doing it, I don't really know why. It's the, by far the best thing they do, and it's Gino is definitely the most comfortable, and it. It negates – if you watch Miami play, Miami has a deficient offensive line. The whole offense is built around making sure their offensive line isn't valuable, and they run all this play action. They run all this creative stuff. <laughs> watch the Seahawks games, and they won't do it. And I'm just befuddled. I don't know if it's – they're trying to do other things. Uh, to me, like, I my I don't have the answer to that question. So, mm-hmm. to me, it comes down to Shane Waldron. I don't get it. It should be the – especially with the, the splits, it should be the – the basis of their entire offense right now. Mm-hmm. Getting down 20 points pretty early on probably doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. Then you're just, when you play from behind like that, it's just so hard. All right. So this one is from Evan, not the Evan that had to go. We appreciate that he came in while he could today. That was great. Um, Different Evan. Um, And Nathan, I'll give this one to you. It says, we heard a lot about Gino's turnover worthy plays last year. How has this year compared on the same stat, if you guys should happen to know that. And how important is this to Gino's game for the rest of the season? I'm assuming he means to fix this. So it's interesting that people are so caught up on the turnovers Gino has. And I think it's just because we got so used to him not doing that. When you look at like Josh Allen has nine turnovers, you know, there's lots of lots of quarterbacks that have that have the turnover, but it does seem to be a bit of a problem this year. So I do have the stat. His turnover-worthy plays last year, uh, 4.2%. This year, 4.3%. And if we go back to early in his career, um, when he was, like, starting, you know, a majority of the games, really his first two seasons, and then after that it gets kind of wonky, but turnover-worthy plays were 4.2%, 4.1%, 6.1% as a rookie. Um so, you know, uh, his career is not a super big sample, but this four point something percent seems to be pretty in line with uh, where he kind of seems like it. Yeah, it's just kind of where he's at. All right. Um, let's see. Jeff, DK doesn't have the best hands. Let me tell you this. This caused a whole argument in Patreon of itself. Like there's conversation back and forth, back and forth. People agreed, people didn't agree. So I wanted to make sure that I asked you guys this because it caused quite a conversation on the Patreon channel. So it says DK doesn't have the best hands, not great at jump balls, never seems to have much separation. So what exactly does DK excel at as a wide receiver that justifies his cost? It's exactly, wait, I don't know if this was for Jeff or not, but I, no, I have, I have it. opinions about this because Has I was, I was skeptical of DK 
uh, as a rookie, like uh, as a draft prospect. I did not think he would be very good. Um, part of that was some production stuff that it, now that I've, in retrospect, I, there were better ways to measure the production stuff. But um, the other part of it is when you actually break down his skills as a receiver, they're not they're not that that impressive. Like everything he said is right. But the thing that makes him good is he's huge and crazy fast. And like, he's just at such an extreme on those things that cornerbacks, like, you know, it feels like they're kind of, at least based on, you know, not having a stellar year this year, it feels like maybe cornerbacks are kind of figuring some stuff out with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But like cornerbacks are terrified of this dude. They don't want to press him. They don't want to give him cushion. And, and if they do give him cushion, it lets him get more space. The hand stuff doesn't matter as much. Like his size and his speed just changes the dimensions of the game to such an extreme that the other stuff doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, like, obviously he could be otherworldly. Like he could be the greatest of all time if he was above average in some of these things instead of average or below average. But like, the, the 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 total package turns out to be a very good player. Jeff, anything to add? No, he he's a better receiver than I thought he was coming into the league. Um, we haven't seen him get open deep a lot as much as he did early in his career, and that might have been because Russ was so good at that shot and the moon balls. And but last year, like I thought, you really saw a really efficient use of him, and he had. Less, I think less his averages went down a little bit last year, but he had more catches, I think, than he ever had. And you saw him win consistently, and you saw how he can win. And this year, the whole thing is he hasn't, we haven't really seen a lot of games where he's taken over. There was a early in the game early in the year, but like you saw games like last year against Detroit where he looked like the best player on the field and they could hit him deep, they could hit him on a crosser, that New Orleans game, same thing. And those are not bad defenses, but. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's like sometimes I look and they're running routes for Tyler that they should be running for DK and they're running routes for DK that they should be running for Tyler. And I don't Aldrin, just say. I wonder about like their usage of these guys and like I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if it's Gino. I don't know what it is. And it's like I'm just left scratching my head too often when they have mm-hmm. these kind of talents and yeah, it seems like a struggle. Tenth best offense in DVOA. They have they have so I much don't understand talent. It. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had games at the beginning of the year. They scored 37 twice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> against Cincy, they moved the ball really well everywhere but the red zone. <laughs> yeah. They uh, could be getting – First couple drives in Cleveland, they looked amazing. And then they mm-hmm. went blank for eight drives. So they're so hot and so cool. It's just – but they definitely have talent. They're, that's what makes them so irritating. They're loaded at receiver. They're loaded at tight end. Loaded at running back, and they don't do anything particularly well lately. So they don't. All right, thanks to Brendan for starting that. It was a good conversation on on the Patreon channel. Um, Twenty five mil. Ugh. Yeah, it was expensive. Um, I also forgot to thank um uh, a couple of others. There's two questions left, and they they're kind of like future questions. So I wanted to kind of put them together. So the first one is from Eric. Given our cap situation and Gino's play over the last year, does it make sense to cut ties with him in the offseason and use those funds to re-sign Leonard Williams and additional free agents along with drafting a quarterback? You guys go right ahead. Either one of you. I'll take it. Um, This season to me, especially with what we've seen, is about 
at this point, the valuation of Gino, the, the thing is why I don't want them to bench him or why I think this stretch is actually good for the organization is you're going to get all the information you need because you saw what happened last week when they played an elite team and they're going to play two other or maybe three other elite teams coming up in the next month. And you're going to know everything you're going to need to know about this guy. If we all joked about Jared Goof and Jared Goff, but Gino's got a lot of the same kind of qualities as him where when things are working really well around him, the protection's good. He runs a really efficient, really good offense. And when things break down, he throws laughable interceptions. He makes terrible turnovers. He had a play in the Detroit where he ran back like 29 yards. Um, if he plays like this over the next eight games, I, I think you gives do you move your on. answer, doesn't it? I think it gives you. And that's where I do think like it's going to suck to watch some of these games coming up. Just how many. And it's going to hurt their win total now. But long term, I think it's the best thing for you to know mm-hmm. what this guy is. I have a pretty good idea of what he is and what he isn't at this point. But you're certainly going to know against these elite teams if he can't hold up and he looks – he's played more like the Tarveris Jackson level, I'd say, this year. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. happened after that season, you saw you had you need to upgrade and you need to draft. And if he continues to play at that level, it gives you your answer. So if he's like this, to me, I walk away and I draft the first-round quarterback. Or you, And you could always cut him and try to bring him back at a lower deal. I don't know if he'll do it, but – I don't know if there's going to be like huge market for Gino if he stays at this level, but that's the reason I thought the contract was so good and still remain thinking that way is it, it gave you an mm-hmm. like Daniel Jones. They cannot get out of it. 35 million guaranteed next year for Daniel Jones. Just yeah, so we'll, remember we'll, that's we'll, where we could be people. Just we'll keep learn everything we need to know over <laughs> the next eight weeks. All right, Nathan, I'm going to give you this last one and it irritates me. The, the, this question mm-hmm. irritates me that, Questions like this irritate me, but I'm going to hand it over to you. So it's from Callian, is I think how you say the name. Is it time to move on from Pete Carroll? I don't see this team doing anything impressive. Looking around the league, I notice teams with new head coaches showing fight and intent, and I don't see it with the Seahawks. It is really frustrating to get in the playoffs by virtue of other teams losing. Our bar is too low. Uh, I'm sorry. I I love the Pete haters. They kill me. Okay. I think what if the defense is bad the rest of the year? What if they slide back into being more what they were last year or more what they were, you know, and in the years previous? I do think that there's, I mean, he won't. Like, nope. unless he's they not, just, until he retires, he's going nowhere. People need to understand that. Or there's a new owner, probably. Uh, no, that's, fair. that's when it's going to change. But, but I think, like, if they do backslide in that way, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear what this team is going to be. Um, because he, we caught lightning in a bottle maybe last year with Gino. I mean, we'll see how that all goes. But, like, if he just can't put a good defense on the field anymore. I don't know. Like at this point, the track record, and we're this is so reactionary. Like uh, offense Ravens, that's okay. But like, yeah, if this is kind of what it's going to be, if Geno's just going to be kind of mid, and the offense is like whatever, you know, not good enough to win you playoff games, and the defense slides back into being bad, I don't know. This this is this has been a really mediocre run for the Seahawks now for several years, and so. Um, will he get fired? No, I agree. It's not happening. Definitely not this year. Um, but is it fair at that point to rekindle those conversations? Yeah, it probably would be. 
I look at it this way. He's he's like Belichick. They're not going to get rid of him until he's done. Cats fans are already calling for a Bill. Yeah. I know, but he's not going anywhere. Robert Kraft already said that. He's like, yeah. talk all you want. He's Bill Belichick. I'm not getting rid of him. They and, might too much about Kraft. But calling for them to retire, I think, is a valid thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you know, you know, what, how that, now a new owner, yes. But then didn't we just hear that? They have no interest in selling this team anytime soon. So we'll see what happens there. It's all going to, it's it's all relative. And like you said, it's reactionary. I think the conversations are okay to be had. Um, but, you know, I would not be surprised if they looked at a rookie next year. Do you know what I mean? Even if he play, gets better throughout the year, I think with the way they structured that contract, I think that's what it kind of is looking at. For Gino, for Pete, I don't think Pete's going anywhere. Not that I don't think that he should. I don't think he should. Actually, no, I don't think that he should go anywhere. But I can see why people would think that. So, all right. Thank you, everyone, for um, putting questions up on Patreon. If you, too, want to put questions up on Patreon, you just need to join. Um, or I'm sorry, on our Slack channel. You have to go to patreon.com slash and you can sign up. You get immediate access to the Slack channel. You can go and read that really good conversation about DK that turned out. And it's a lot of fun. It's a great community over there. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash Let's talk about the commanders. Oh, go guys, ahead. Do you guys want to hear the conclusion to the what happened after Geno Smith got punched? He didn't get punched. Go ahead. He did get punched. No, they said it was a total rumor and they said it wasn't real in the no, chat. The oh, in New York. When he was the Jets. Oh, with the Jets. I thought the I Jets. It. Sorry. The Jets. <laughs> Uh, so it's actually kind of sad. Um, it was right before the first preseason came. Uh, he was expected to be the starter, broke his jaw out six weeks. Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick steps in is very good. And Gino, uh, doesn't start again until he gets to Seattle. Um, Mm. so that actually kind of, in some ways, maybe set him on his path to Seattle. Uh, but, um, the, when it all came out, the New York daily news ran a headline saying luck of the jaw. And, uh, the New York Post back page uh, uh, said jaw in disorder, like law, law and order, you know? Uh, so we did get that at least from it. Well, thank you, New York Press, for being such assholes. <laughs> so good. Thank you so much. All right, let's talk about these commanders. Washington commanders, not a scary team, you know, that that we think would be scary anyway. Um, interesting, though, they're kind of an odd little duck of a team so if you look at their schedule right now um they have i'm sorry their win loss they have won four lost five um they have had a lot of roller coaster teams uh games philadelphia probably with the first time they played philly was probably the most interesting they lost in overtime 34 to 31 um divisional game always weird um and then philadelphia beat them again the second time 38 31 so they put up a lot of points against that team other games not so much they beat arizona 20 to 16 denver 35 33 they lost 37 to 3 to buffalo very familiar gosh why does that number seem so familiar but they the other winning team atlanta and New England. So not overly impressive. However, who has been impressive for this team? Oh, I'm sorry. I should admit they also had a complete fire sale, got rid of the two best defensive players that they had where Montez Sweat went to the Bears and got a monster contract. And then our good friend went to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't even want to talk about that. So 
I think what the interesting thing here is Sam Howell. Sam Howell has been kind of the interesting piece to this. Now they have other they have other great good players too, but Sam Howell has been interesting. He throws a lot of yards. He's been kind of their shining star on offense when they can get it going. Um, but their defense is atrocious. So this game to me is kind of an obvious. Our defense against a terrible, uh, their terrible, um, our offense against their terrible defense and our good defense against their better offense. It's, it's going to be kind of an interesting game. Jeff, when you look at the commanders, is there anything that makes you worried going into this game? You're muted. Muted. Uh, worried. They're actually pretty similar to Seattle. Like, their their numbers are pretty similar, and I'd say the thing that worries me is probably our interior offensive line going up against the names that Evan said terribly before, mm-hmm. Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, not Darren. Oh, uh, Evan. <laughs> so after seeing what Baltimore did, it's hard not to think that. But like Howell's been like weirdly fun this year. He's kind of like been like a Ryan Fitzpatrick style player. Like if you're like a bad team and like. You want to at least be interesting. You want to be bad and boring. Like that's what Washington's been. Howell's been like hitting big plays down the field. And like they've thrown like on Philly, like they score 35 points multiple times. Like they can score. And if Seattle's offense is a mess again, (laughs) they could have success in this game. And they've been like a fun offense. It's weird. They don't have a lot of like blue chip skill players or anything like that, but they're, they've competent guys across the board and, Howell's, again, if you're a bad team, he's been just kind of fun. So I'd say the offensive-defensive line thing is probably scares me the most, but they're seeing this defense, like, fall off the map. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just say, oh, they'll be fighting in Sam Howell. I I don't know that. Philly hasn't been. Yeah. So, but their their defense is ranked, I think, bottom five, and that was before they got rid of their players during their fire sale. So it makes you think that that's going to be even a bigger disaster Toward the end, that that has to Nathan. It has to bode well for our offense, right? Right. Give a girl some hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, it has to. I mean, it, it's a bad defense that's now undermanned, and so if, if there was, I mean, it's the perfect get right game. Mm-hmm. Has to be. So when Brian did his. Um, his uh, tale of the tape going into this. And you looked at the Seahawks on offense against the commander's defense. They, they, they obviously were way ahead there and you guys should go to hawkblogger.com and check that out. It's a great article um, because their defense is, you know, ranked 30th in points, 28th in yards, 29th in yards per play. Like it's just kind of a mess, but they have managed to put up some, Big numbers. I, I look at, I'm sorry, I keep going back and forth on these because I just keep looking at this schedule. The only teams they won, they haven't beat anyone over 500 um, at all. And they are really only beating the lowest tier teams. They lost to Chicago 40 to 20, right? Like, they got smoked. yeah, it makes me feel like they're pretty roller coastery of a team and they are just coming off a win, but it's against the Patriots. So, when you look at the way our defense is put together, Jeff, and you look at Sam Howell and what he can do, what is probably the biggest thing that they can do to slow him down? Because I don't really feel like there's consistency there. Oh, thanks. So the, the craziest thing about the Washington, 
have you seen how many times Sam Howell's been sacked this year? Yes, it's he huge was on numbers. pace for like the Derek Carr Houston exhibition. Let me read this to you. Against Buffalo, they were sacked nine times. The next three games, Philly, Chicago, Atlanta, two of those defenses do not have very they each sacked them five times, not five times combined. Each sacked them five times. The game after, the Giants, who had Leonard Williams, they sacked them six times. So you went nine, five, 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 six. I haven't seen sack numbers like that like in the last 20 years. So this is a game where Seattle spoke. They've gotten a little better the last two weeks. Uh, only three against New England. Not a, They're missing Matthew Judon. Only one against Philly. So that was progress, but mm-hmm. still three against New England. Not So Boye Mafe has been lighting the world on fire. Uh, Taylor, this one skill is pass rushing. Their advantage, especially where Seattle, where you're supposed to give advantage to the pass rushers, Frank Clark hasn't looked like a very explosive yet, but they have a good chance to sack this guy. Leonard Williams played this team already. He was part of a six-sack effort. They had mm. 11 sacks against the Giants. This is a game where you need to see the defensive line, pass rush edge guys take over because they, they could hit the five, six sack numbers in this game. Yeah, like Sam the Howell, New York game. Go ahead, Nathan. Sam Howell in nine games this year has been sacked more times than Russell Wilson was in six different complete seasons. Russell took some sacks. And yeah. This dude has already passed most of the, most, most of Russell's years, Seattle years. Uh, um, yeah, in nine games. It's nuts. And yet he's still putting up big numbers. Oh, he's yeah. Still not, I think he just chucks it downfield, be like, screw it. Maybe someone will catch it. I don't want to get hit again, right? He's kind of fun. Like, he's he's all, he's all over the place. Yeah, it is. It's a, a bright spot for that. Um, Ron Rivera was on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Um, I believe it was on Tuesday. And he was asked, he's like, so you're headed up to Seattle. He's like, I know. <laughs> I made me laugh so hard. He was like, I know. He's like, that crowd is loud. The team is one of the best coaches. Like, nothing but praise. Because that's Ron Rivera, right? That's who he is. He, he's going to say nice things. But at the same time, his first reaction was a sigh and a I know. It made me feel a little bit better, right? Like, that they are dreading this. Because Pete Carroll, Nathan, is known for bouncing back after bad losses. Like, this team is known. He, they have a history of that. I, I will say I expect a big bounce back to you. Yeah, again, like this feels like the perfect team to have a bounce back against. Like yeah. the defense is bad and they're at home and somehow can't stop getting sacked. Like all of this is pointing towards like if Seattle comes out and wins this game 37 to 3, I it's not going to be a surprise, right? And so um yeah, hopefully, you know, they this is a get right they figure some stuff out and keep going going through the season and you know they look a lot better by the end of the year than they do right now i see that brian has jumped into con- into chat and he says jeff he says that you're predicting a big game from daryl taylor that's what he said he heard from what you said so you know what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't i haven't had a lot of nice things to say about daryl taylor uh, watching him play the run last week was painful but this is the game for him he really picked up in the second half last year. Brian is definitely trying to egg me on a little bit. He knows I'm not a fan. But we'll say I'll actually agree with him here. This is a game I think he could shine. 
That's true. I, I think this is how we should do the show from now on. We'll just put Brian in the chat and we can uh, put his questions up from now on and we'll we'll just talk over them and talk about what he's asking here. That's right. Why not? He can just sit there and fire questions away. Yeah. All right. We're going to do a little score prediction. Are you guys ready for that? Ugh. I'm dreading this part. So I'm going to make Nathan, I'm going to make you go first. Okay. First, I just want to say to hammer this point about how like miserable the Seahawks offense can be to watch, but then like how like the stats and everything, we, we just spend a lot of time talking about how fun Sam Howell is <clears throat> and he is like second most in passing yards in the league and, and stuff. The offense is 23rd in DVOA. They've scored 20 more points in Seattle with one extra game. So like, it, it's just like this, like, I don't, what do, I, I don't know what to do with this team. Like everything you watch it and you're like, I don't like football maybe. And then like, you look at the stats and you're like, they're kind of good. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Points. Uh, score That's prediction. Whole season. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle, this feels like one of those games where they just kind of, like, we spend all this time talking about how everything's bad and, and like, and then they just totally flip the narrative, but still lose, I think is what I'm going to go with here. Mm. So I'm going to say 35-33 Commanders. And I think it's going to be heartbreaking the way they lose this game. But the offense will score points, and so that'll be fun. Jeff? That would be very on brand with how the season's gone. Uh, just, when, just when you think you figure something out, they do the exact opposite. And I think Seattle does win this game. It's only injury report today that came out was a little worrisome. Yeah, it's uh, Wednesday. It's Wednesday. I want to know a little more about that, but. I think Seattle does typically do well in these situations where the heat is on. And I'm sure Pete's going to be in Waldron's ear a lot this week. Uh, that could be for better or worse. I don't know. I don't think it should be a get right game for them. I just expect it to be more like that Arizona game where I thought that would be the get right game coming out of Cincinnati. And it was a struggle. I think this game is going to be really similar where I think the defense does show some good things. The offense has some moments and then bleak for, a little bit so i'll say seattle wins it 24 16 in a very frustrating game that should be a little more one-sided so i had my my score prediction is pretty is pretty similar to yours i have met 24 20 seattle winning um just because i think even seeing this offense put up 24 points this week will be impressive for us because after what happened last week we know they can score more than that but that's just kind of where i feel that they're going to be at but i think that this defense is going to just tee off against um howell and in that line and so hopefully that just keeps them off the field long enough that they that then the offense has managed to wiggle down um down the field where where are they at in run defense where are the commanders at in run defense do we anyone have that one? Oh, they're in there somewhere well yes <laughs> they have played against the run <laughs> they have played against the run um it. this is a terrible way to do it uh okay let's do uh this um they are uh other way uh 21st uh if you go by yards per attempt against the run 
I would prefer if they were in the 30s, I'm just saying. But, you know, I still think that they get the run going a little bit here. So hopefully that'll help us too. I don't know. I have a feeling that Seattle will win this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think that they're going to, we're going to be Seahawks of old and give us a lot of stress. <laughs> where, Do you know where the Seahawks are now? In terms of uh, opponents rush per uh, yards per rush average? Because they started off the season like at an incredible rate. Yeah, the last two games. Let's have been see. Bad. Let's see. Yards per rush. You're cheating. You're cheating. This wasn't. This was. Yeah, just a guess. I got the number if I need it. <laughs> oh, I thought you wanted me to look <laughs> it up. No, I could just tell you. Yes. <laughs> Too late. I already looked. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> Seventeen. Yeah. I missed this. When did when did they plummet like this? They're at four point one. Probably when you gave up three hundred yards. That's true. Okay, fair. fair. That's a big chunk. Yeah, it was one fifty against Cleveland too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? That was almost half of the the rushing yards they've given up all year. Yeah, yeah. It was bad. It was real bad. And the Ravens are real good. All right, you guys. Well, that is our show for this week. Sorry, 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 sorry. For God's sake. Sorry, sorry. I was looking at offense. I don't know what the defensive numbers are on any of this. (laughs) Ignore everything. He's a big liar. Not a liar, just dumb, you know? <laughs> Don't worry, I answered the run defense question about Lamar Jackson. Okay. So. Fair. <laughs> so this yeah. is what happens when Brian lets us do what we want. I mean, the boss goes out of town and we get to just we lose it. Yeah, that's huh, okay. It's, it's, it's still pretty close, though. Uh, Commanders are 22nd. Seahawks are 21st. Even worse. Uh, and it, and they gave up a third of their total rushing, the total rushing yards allowed against uh, for the entire season came against Baltimore. Sorry. Sorry, Ooh, everyone. Good information. No, the first part wasn't. The first part was definitely bad information. All right, you guys, we're out of here. We're done wasting your time. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for sticking with us, even though Brian was not here. We hope that we entertained you again. Go to patreon.com slash hawk or join the group. It's so much fun. The Slack channel is so much fun. Um, and if you join the ring of honor, there's a dinner apparently that you can go to this week or this season. So that'll be a lot of fun too. So, um, all right, everyone, we'll be back. I'm sure someone will be back as a post game. We'll see. How we'll see if Brian lets us on the post game show. He didn't last week. He said no. <laughs> we weren't allowed. No. All right. Good night, everybody. Oh, I have to hit in stream. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the tape morning after articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.